0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me this morning to the Gospel of John chapter 13 and 14. Great to have all the folks joining us. Grace Online. Good to have you worshiping with us this morning. Uh, Quick story, really, I think, interesting story. I I just got an email last week. There's um, a care home down the road, and one of the sweet ladies who's been a part of our church family for years um is residing in this care home and they had they figured out that they could get grace covenant on sunday morning at the care home so get they've got this like 65 inch uh screen tv and they sent me some pictures like 15 residents in this care home gathered in front of the tv worshiping with us on sunday morning in the care home as we're worshiping here isn't that awesome technology today Well, this morning we're launching into a new series that we've titled Unstuck. And in this series, we're going to be talking about the challenge of change. Specifically, that's what we're going to focus on today. But we're also going to talk about areas of our lives that we can get stuck in that limit our lives and rob us of the potential in the future that God has for us. Because the reality is we can get stuck in all different kinds of, of areas in our lives. And when we get stuck, it's kind of like... If you can think of it like this, it's like a lid has been put on our lives. A lid that limits our lives, limits our future, limits our potential, limits our relationship. When we're stuck, whatever the area of stuck might be, it's kind of like that. It's, it's the lid that, that uh, limits the future that God has for us. Because here's the reality, to experience progress, it requires change to experience progress requires change to embrace the future that god has for you you can't stay where you're at it's going to require what it's going to require that you have to move it's going to require that that we live our lives unstuck Uh, listen to what god said through the prophet isaiah isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says this forget the former things do not get stuck in the past Forget the former things. We're not going to be stuck in the past. Goes on to say, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Yeah, I am convinced that God's always at work and He's always at work in your life. And what he's he's doing a new thing. He's doing that of a new work. God always at work in our lives. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to allow ourselves to get stuck, to create the lid that would limit what God might want to do in our lives. So let's talk about this for just a moment. How many of you would say that past tense you have been, or maybe even presently, you're stuck in an area in your life? Yeah, probably most of us have experienced a time or season of being stuck. So let's talk about that a little further this morning. What are some areas that we can get stuck in? in. Work? Yeah. We can be workaholics. And we can get stuck in our work and we get so focused on our work that we're so stuck in our work. Maybe that career path. Nothing wrong with the career path, but this is what I know. If we're not careful, we can get stuck in the work and the career path. And it can actually keep us from... Maybe the new thing, the future that God would have for us. But where else can we get stuck? Bad relationships. Excuse me? Bad relationships. bad relationships. We can get stuck in bad relationships. Hopefully you're not sitting by someone right now that you're stuck in a bad relationship with. But it can't happen. We can find ourselves in relationships with individuals who are dysfunctional and they're dysfunctional then. Detrimentally affects us. We can get stuck in bad relationships. Someone asks, what else, what other areas can we get stuck in? Finance. Finances. Actually, can I just kind of zero in that on a little bit? It's not finances we get stuck in, we get stuck in debt. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Finances doesn't stick us, it's debt that says, so we spend more than we can afford or. Our expenses exceed our income, and then we can have this thing called debt that can become a lid that can rob us of the future that God has. Where else can we get stuck? Family. Family Family feuds. And we don't have time to talk about that one. Where else can we get stuck? Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking? Yeah, because the challenge with that is, like, I think I'm thinking right. And I think I'm right because my wife says I'm always right because that's the way I think. And I can get stuck in my wrong thinking. And my wrong thinking can become so narrow and so limited that it becomes a lid. And I'm not seeing the perspective of others because I have wrong thinking. But I think my wrong thinking is right thinking and it has me going in the wrong direction. And I create a lid in my life. What about this? We get stuck in past failure. It was an issue, there was a happening, there was something in your life, and it was ten years ago, but you're still stuck there today. You're living, you're breathing, but you're stuck. Failure, something of the past. I think we can get stuck in routines. Like my way is the only way. It's the right way. How dare we ever change anything? Well, we get stuck in real I mean it happened just this morning. we come at seven o'clock for prayer from seven to seven twenty five We have prayer, and this really messed me up this morning when I came into the sanctuary, they had moved the communion table. <laughs> it used to sit here. You can see the little indentions on the carpet. that's what I told them It used to sit here. And they moved it there. I thought, you can't do that. (laughs) How are people going to find communion? Because the table's here. We can get stuck in routine. And the routine, I'm not against routines, but if we're not careful, that routine that you get stuck in can be that 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 limits or, or restricts your life. All of these places are places that we can get stuck in, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to live our lives that way, whatever that stuck might look like, for you. Now, about this goes some years back, but when I was 14, my dad bought a brand new four-wheel drive pickup truck. We had never had a four-wheel drive pickup truck on the farm, and I thought at 14, I thought like you could never get a four-wheel drive truck stuck. you go wherever you want, whenever you want, you'd never get stuck. Well, it had been raining for about, about two days straight. Finally, the rain broke. Sunday afternoon, I wanted to go fishing, uh, and I thought I could go wherever I wanted because my dad had a new four-wheel drive pickup truck. So I loaded my fishing gear in the back of the truck. I take off across the cow pasture. I had to go down through a low place, and as I went down through the low place, I got the truck stuck, the four-wheel drive truck up, was stuck. Not just stuck, man, the axles were sitting on the ground. The truck was like on the ground. And I thought, Oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. I'm stuck. And what I knew I couldn't do was wake my dad up from his Sunday afternoon nap to tell him I just got his new truck stuck. And I knew that wasn't a good option. So I, I walked back to the house. I got a shovel and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll dig it out. And that didn't work very well. So then I walked back to the house and I taught my older brother into coming with a tractor to pull me out. Finally, we got my dad's brand new four-wheel drive truck unstuck. Um, I kind of repaired the ruts in the cow pasture. And I never told my dad. I am certainly probably figured it out and thought, well, lesson learned. But, I, but I, I, what I thought couldn't happen, wouldn't happen, did happen, and I found myself stuck, and I couldn't get myself unstuck. As I was thinking about that story 40 years ago, Oh, wow, that, that's the way it happens so many times in our lives. We didn't aim to get stuck. It wasn't my plan to get stuck. But I ended up stuck. And you know, sometimes it's, it's other people's fault that we get stuck. But most of the time it's our own fault. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, it's your fault. Go ahead and tell them. It's true. Most of the time, most of the time we stick ourselves So every one of us, regardless of age, race, gender, geography, we can get stuck in the process of life. But here's the good news this morning. You don't have to stay stuck. Tell your neighbor. Say, hey, you don't have to stay stuck. Go ahead and tell them. You don't have to stay stuck. You know, there's two primary choices in life. I think this statement's there in your notes. Two primary choices in life. To accept conditions as they exist or accept responsibility for changing. And until we accept responsibility for changing, this is what happens. We stay stuck. So the first step to get unstuck in your life, if you are stuck, is to say, I'm stuck, is to come to that place of awareness and then be willing to change. If you're not willing to change, then you're in trouble. And that becomes the problem. Here's the problem today. We don't like change. We don't, most of us are adverse to change. Remember, it's been said, and I think this is probably pretty accurate, that the only person who likes change is a baby whose diaper is full. <laughs> we don't like change. Therefore, oftentimes we, we stay stuck. I came across this comic strip the other day, and I thought, wow, this says it so well. So let me throw this comic strip up. Now, this is a church setting, if you're wondering. Obviously, this wouldn't be Grace Covenant. I mean, this is probably the Baptist church down the street because they have more problems than we have. But notice the top slide. Who wants change? Notice everyone has their hand up. Notice the bottom slide. Who wants to change? Nobody. No one. Notice no one has their hand up. Why? Because, because we, don't, we don't like change. We all want better future, we want better situation, we want better life, we want better family, we want better workplace. No one wants to change. Here's the reality, we can always rely on change, good and bad, to happen through our lives. I mean, it's been said that the only constant in life is change, right? We We can count on it to happen, and though we cannot always control what's happening in our lives or the change that's happening around us. This is what we can always do, is we can, we can control how we respond to the change. So I want to talk with you this morning about, about how we can navigate change in a healthy way. Because again, if you're not embracing a process of change, then this is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to get stuck. You don't want to get stuck. So what we need to be embracing, embracing change. And when change happens... It's amazing. I've watched this play out so many times as I've been pastor now for 25 plus years. When change happens, individuals either come to a victim mentality or what I call a victor mentality. When change happens in your life, in your school, in your workplace, in this church, either Either individuals have a victim mentality or a victim mentality. So what's a victim mentality? A victim mentality says, this is not fair. I will not change. And I'm going to make everybody else's life miserable in the process. That's a victim mentality. I don't want to change. I like it just the way it was. I want, to, I want it to stay like it is right now. It's a victim mentality. It's all about you. Or we can have a victor mentality. What's the victor mentality? The victor mentality is this. I'm not certain what the future holds, but this is what I know. God is always consistently, constantly working for my good. So whatever the future is, it has to be good. I'm going to embrace the change with a positive attitude. The attitude you choose in the midst of the change really shapes the outcome. Again, in your marriage, in the family, in the workplace, in the home. So we don't want to live with a a victim mentality. We want to have a victor mentality. This morning as we look to John 13 and 14, we're going to read a story that's about change. It's about change that's happening. And what's interesting is the change that's coming is for good, yet the disciples are having a hard time with it. matter of fact, I would say that the disciples have a bit of a victim mentality. So as we read this story, John 13, beginning with about verse 33, what I want you to listen to and watch for is how the disciples are responding to the change that Jesus says is coming. So let's read a few verses this morning, beginning with verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Notice verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going you cannot follow now, but you'll follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I'll tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. So in this passage of Scripture, Jesus was informing His disciples of the coming change that was going to be for their good. But it's interesting, if you notice in the Scripture, they were resistant to and overwhelmed by the very change that Jesus said was going to happen. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm getting ready to leave and it's going to be for your good. But the disciples were so stuck in their present reality. They were so stuck in what they were enjoying in the present that they were not willing to let go of the present to embrace the future that was going to be even better for them. So what we see here is the challenge of change and oftentimes what can happen in our own lives when when change comes their way. Again, what Jesus said was to the benefit of the disciples for their good, yet they were having a hard time embracing the change. See, constructive change generates certain emotions within us. It unsettles us, as it did the disciples. I mean, that's what we see in this story. Matter of Really quick, let me talk with you about four things that happens in our lives when, when constructive change comes. So we're talking now again, change that's for our good. In the the marriage, in the family, in your school, in the church. Even though the change is for our good and it is good, there's still these emotions that we're challenged with. The first is, is anxiety. Man, when things start to change, what happens? We get anxious, right? We get worried. We're concerned. I mean, the disciples were. I mean, here's Jesus saying, hey, I'm getting ready to leave And they were like overwhelmed with anxiety and worry. That's why Jesus said in John 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. In other words, Jesus was saying you don't have to be anxious. But when change is coming, one of the things we wrestle with is when we get anxious, we begin to worry. I know we've been navigating this recently in our home. Our daughter Grace, hard to imagine, just turned 15 and she, this year, went into the ninth grade, which meant this. It was new school, new location, new teachers, new classroom, new friends. Everything was new. And needless to say, she was a bit anxious about that. Why? Because everything was going to be there. Everything was changing in her world. Now, we kind of went to her and said, oh, Grace, sweetie, we don't want you to be anxious. Why don't you just go back to the old school? To the same old classroom, to the same old teacher, to the same old eighth grade, and just be comfortable because we really want you to be comfortable. We don't want you to be anxious. I mean, if if we allow her to take that path of comfort, like the easy way, get this, she could be like 18 or 19 and still in the eighth grade. What's stuck? This is what I know: constructive change, even change that's for our benefit, for our good can create anxiety within us. Here's a second thing that can happen when constructive change comes our way is is we can grieve. There can be grief. We grieve what used to be. We grieve how how good it was. I, I hear this quite often. Well, it was so good 20 years ago. It was so good when we had to walk to school four miles uphill both ways, but there there is a reality we can we can grieve what used to be. The disciples were there. I think maybe they were they were reflecting back to the miracles and the fun that they had around the campfire and the conversations they had with Jesus, some pretty sweet times. And then Jesus is saying, "Hey, I'm I'm leaving," and I, I think there was some grief. The same thing can happen in us. Even change that's for good can bring grief in our lives. I know this is not, not like really deep grief, but I know for me, living here in the area for 22 years, every once in a while I think back to what it used to be. What it used to be like around here. Before all of you showed up. <laughs> now the change has been good. The progress has been good. Certainly, as a congregation, we've been blessed with growth, and I mean, so many great things I could say about it. But but I do think back to what it was like 15 years ago, when all the farms were still around here, and the cows and the dairies. And I, it makes me a little sad. I'm grateful for where we're at, and I'm grateful for the progress. But but my point is, is even with constructive change, there can there can be grief. Here's a third thing. That can happen is we have questions and constructive change begins to happen we have questions like what does this mean what's it going to look like what 's this do to my career path? What does this do to my marriage? How does this affect my school? How does this affect my studies? How does this affect the college I was planning on going to? We have questions. The disciples had questions. If you look back in the text Peter says, "Lord Lord, where are you going?" Well, I'm going to go with you, can I go with you? Jesus? I, I'd like to. And then this, the scripture doesn't say, "But I think some of the other disciples were probably asking some questions too, like how's this going to affect us? I mean, we left everything to follow you. Now what does this mean for us? Questions. And then here's the challenge is we all like answers, right? I like answers. I don't like to be surprised. I tell the staff quite often, don't surprise me. (laughs) I don't want to be surprised. I like answers. And oftentimes when we're talking about the new and the future and embracing the more that God has for us personally and corporately, and sometimes I feel like I have more questions than I have answers. That's part of navigating seasons of change. Here's a fourth thing that can happen when, when we have Change that's that's positive for our benefit, it it can even generate fear in our lives. What do we fear? We fear loss of control. We fear the future as to what this might mean, what this might bring. What, the fear begins to set in. I think that's what happened to disciples. Again, Jesus said if you look back to 14, verse 1, John 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. And he began to talk about where he was going and what he was going to do. He began to talk about, hey, you can trust in God. You don't have to be afraid. Listen, God is good and He's always working for your good. I don't have all the answers, but this is what I know. God is good and He's always working for your good. So whatever change comes your way, you've got to live confident knowing that God's always working for your good. Even in that area of change that you may not understand, that you may have questions about. Therefore, we can navigate seasons of change without fear. I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I don't know how, but this is what I know. God's going to work for my good. Listen, He's faithful. He's always going to be faithful. He can't be anything but faithful. So I don't, have to be, I don't have to be ruled. I don't have to be ruled by fear. The constructive change is for our good because it helps us move from where we're at to where we're going. And where we're at to where we're going. Without change, we stay stuck and limited in our lives. So again, change is necessary if we're going to embrace the great future that God has for us. I mean, th- think about this. Think about how horrible it would have been if Jesus, in this passage of Scripture we read, if Jesus would have said to the disciples, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you anxious. I don't want you to have questions. I don't want you to be uncertain. Matter of fact, I just want you to be comfortable. So I'm not going to leave. I've changed my mind. I'm just going to stay here with you. I mean, Think about how horrible that would have been. There would have been no cross. There would have been no resurrection. There would be no redemption in eternal life today. How bad that would have been for the disciples as well for us today. A constructive change is not always comfortable and it's not always easy. But again, if we're going to make progress in our lives, in this church, in your family, then change is necessary. So so how can we navigate, in the few minutes I have left, wow, really quick, in the few minutes I have left, I want to leave you with three ways that you can navigate change in a healthy way. Because again, listen, change is coming, folks. It it is the reality. So, So how can we navigate change in a healthy way? First is this, know that change is necessary for Progress. So if you want progress, what are you going to have to have? You're going to have to have change. Don't want progress? Then just stay stuck in your stagnant, mundane, pitiful life. Enjoy it. That was That's extra. <laughs> <coughs> this is what I know. Change is necessary for progress. I, I, interesting as you look back into history, as the statements that were made concerning change that would bring progress. Let me, I, I did a little digging. Let me just read a couple of these for you. The literary, the literary Digest in the year 1889 had this statement concerning the automobile. The ordinary horseless carriage is at present a luxury for the wealthy, and although its price will probably fall in the near future, it will never, of course, come into as common use as the bicycle. Let me ask you a question. How many of you rode a bicycle to church today? (laughs) Popular Science Magazine, 1901 was the year. We find this statement as a means of rapid transit, aerial navigation could not begin to compete with the railroad. Like, right. I mean, we read statements like this and we laugh, but I think they illustrate that change is necessary for progress. Change is necessary for you to embrace the future that God has for you. So we we want to remind ourselves: man, change is not my enemy, change is my friend. Why? Because change, the constructive change is opening my life, it's opening your life to the more that God has for us. Here's the second point of action necessary to navigate seasons of change: well, it's this choose to live with a positive attitude. So when change happens in your life, in your workplace, in the church, in your school, you can fight it or you can embrace it. You can curse it or you can celebrate it. You can complain about it or you can be grateful for it. The choice is yours, but know, know this, your attitude is going to shape the outcome. Your attitude is going to determine whether you stay stuck or whether you live your life unstuck. Listen, just get you a good rotten negative attitude and you'll stay stuck. And you'll miss. But again, it, what, it becomes a lid on your life. And we're going we're to process constructive change with a with a positive attitude. But lastly, here's the third way that you can navigate seasons of change. It's this choose to remain flexible. Remain flexible. I love the quote, one of my favorite quotes, here it is, blessed are the flexible for they will not be broken. (laughs) We just want to be flexible. Flexible so that we can embrace the season of what God, of what God's bringing. In Matthew 9, 17, Jesus talks about wine and wineskins. And he says something like this. I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, don't put new wine into old wineskins. He says, no, put the new wine into new wineskins. He says, if you put the old wine, excuse me, if you put the new wine into the old wineskins, then they're going to burst and they're going to be destroyed and the wine's going to be poured out. He says, don't do that. And put the new wine into new wineskins. What was he talking about? I believe he's talking here about being flexible. The, as you would put new wine into old wineskins, the problem is, is they were crusty and, and rigid and hard. But they had no elasticity. They had no flexibility. So in the fermentation process, what would happen? The wineskins would burst. We ruined the wineskin, we lost the wine. Jesus said, no, put the new wine into new wineskins that are flexible. Listen, this is what I believe. Ongoing, consistent. Every week, every month, every year, God wants to bring new wine to you in your life, for your family, for our church family. Well, we want we want to be those who have what new wine skins, what that we are what we are flexible to embrace the future that God has for us. There was Harold Wilson who wrote the following. Listen as I read this. He who rejects change is the architect of decay. The only human institution that rejects progress is the cemetery. Want to reject progress? Want to reject change? He says, man, the only place it does, that's the cemetery. And if if you're not aware, cemetery is where all the dead folks are at. We don't... We don't want to be old wines; we want to be new wines, and we want to be flexible so that we can embrace the new that God's doing. Listen, what I'm confident of today is that God's plans are for your good, but you'll never fully embrace the good until you're willing to change. If you're not willing to change, you stay stuck, and that place is stuck. Whatever it is, becomes a lid on your life. You don't want to be stuck. You know, sad to say, but it is a reality. Across this great nation, today there's hundreds of church buildings that sit empty. If you go back into the history, if you were to dig into the history of those churches, at one time there were there was vibrant worship that was happening. There was life transforming discipleship. There was effective ministry and mission happening. It was somewhere along the way. They were a group of folks who said, we like it just like this and we don't want to change. Matter of fact, we like it with all of us and we don't want anyone else to come. We don't want anyone to rock our boat because we like it just like this. So no one else came. There was no change. Funeral by funeral by funeral until there was no one left. And today there's an empty building. Because they were not willing to be a new wineskin to embrace the new that God was doing. Listen, what's true for churches across our nation today can be true in your life personally this morning. So you don't want to become rigid and crusty and inflexible. No, you want to be flexible to embrace the new that God's doing in this day for our lives. How many of you would say this morning, "I, I I want to live my life flexible. Come on, I want to live my life. I want to open my life to all that. I'm not going to live my life stuck. I want to live my life flexible. Would you stand with me this morning, Lord? I thank you today for the truth of your word, for the work of your spirit. And Lord, today we simply declare, God, we're not going to live our lives stuck. As a congregation, we're not going to be stuck. We want to be those who are flexible to embrace that of the new wine, the new work of Your Spirit. Because, God, You're always at work. God, I believe that You're taking us to Lord, to better places, to better future. It's the promise of Your Word. So, Lord, may we not get stuck and that place of stuck become a lid. But again, personally, corporately, God, I pray that may we live our lives open, responsive, Flexible to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.